broadcasting from the Annie Up studio. It's the longest running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scale. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, February 23rd. Welcome to the Annie Up Poker Podcast, where every hand is an opportunity, every player is a friend, and every episode is a winning experience. I'm your host, Joe Scales, and last night we had our Patreon game for February. I'm sure we'll talk more about it during the Table Talk segment, but I wanted to say thank you to everyone that joined us last night. I know everybody has a lot of things going on, so I love that you guys choose to spend that time with us. I, of course, think it's a lot of fun. We needle each other a little, play some poker, and oh, and a special shout out to our newest Patreon member, Guillermo. He joined us in the game for the first time last night, and he managed to get down to heads up against Pasta TKE, who ended up winning the whole thing. And also, I have to mention this. Thank you to everyone for being patient with me last night, because I somehow messed up the time for the game. And I had to switch everyone from the game that's later to the one that started at 8.30. So some people actually missed out on the game because of that. And I'm sorry that you guys weren't there. But it was fun nonetheless. And I look forward to everybody being being able to be there next month. I'm, I'm scheduling that one for March 21st. And I hope to see everyone at that one. Just for the record, it should be scheduled for 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If that's not what you see when you register, let me know and I'll fix it. Then, speaking of games, I want to bring this topic back. I I know I talked about Advanced Poker Training's Madness Cup before, but then things got crazy and I've missed the last few. But the one for March is coming up and I am definitely going to be getting back into that. If you guys want to learn more about the game and get in there yourself, I'll leave a link in the show description. Jump in and let's see if one of the AnyUp listeners can win it. Send an email to podcast at AnyUpMagazine.com and let me know if you run deep in there. Or I'd love to hear everybody's journey through the Madness Cup and hear what you think about the way it's set up. That's all I have, so let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. We are back around the poker table with Elle. How's it going, Elle? Good. Still trying to stay warm, but pretty good. Um, I mean, considering it's February 23rd, Weather's been pretty mild, so... On the East Coast, yeah. But, for some folks, yes. Well, I just wanted to make sure you recovered okay after l- losing your pocket kings last night in the Patreon game. If only everyone could see how hard I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> um, no, not okay, but I'm better now that we had a little debrief. Thankfully, I have an in-house poker pro to talk to because... <laughs> What have I learned about playing poker online? Number one, I have to have a mouse. I'm not using that pad or whatever they call it, the mouse pad. That's not working for me. So I had the mouse. That was great. Um, also, pocket kings don't always win. That's what I learned last <laughs> No, really, really the feedback I got from everyone else around the table is I limped in when I should have pushed a little more. And so that's a good learning experience for me. Um, didn't really... My story was consistent after the flop, but not pre-flop. So this is starting to sound like hand of the week. That's not what we mean to be. But anyhow, yeah, (laughs) surprisingly, um, I had two kings. uh, Brian had two tens and another player had two threes and the two threes won. And it was wild. The whole table went crazy. I went all in and that's how I went out last night. Um, yep. It was pasta TKE that had the pocket threes. He won and then he ended up taking the whole thing. Yeah. Way to go. So, I mean, that battle was a battle. We had a great time last night. Uh, your $50 was well earned for sure. And, um, also lesson learned, don't put your wine glass close to your mouse. <laughs> Got 
Guys, I <laughs> our couch, right? Wine explosion all over <laughs> the couch was my glass of wine. So, um, however, peroxide and Dawn dish detergent work really well. So thank God for those two things, household items that we recovered. But no, um, hard lesson learned and moving on. Yeah. <laughs> two hard lessons. Two hard lessons. One night. Yes. <laughs> and you know, another favorite thing that we're used to just being able to talk about is we don't really have a whole lot of sports talk. We're in a big lull right now. Um, True. Really cool prop bet side bets going on in the poker world. And then also some really cool improvements to poker rooms around the country. Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen the, the, story with the the Venetian, but they, I mean, they've been a popular poker destination in Vegas for a long time. Like, and they have big tournaments there. They, you know, they have their Venetian deep stack and the WPTs there. A lot of times the MSBT goes there, I think twice a year. And in 2022, they actually had said that they were going to put like a billion dollars into renovations of the resort. But I didn't realize that meant the poker room as well. But yeah, the poker room's getting a whole makeover. It's moving it to the second floor. Nice. Uh, I'm, I cannot wait to see how this thing turns out. Cause Tommy LaRosa, we've, I've actually talked to him a couple of times, but he's the director of poker operations there. And, and, he said basically that they've taken a, all of the feedback from players over the years and are using that to make this room better. So, Smart. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it's going to be incredible. Uh, they're going to have a streaming room, which is going to be cool. Very cool. So uh, I'm really interested to see what they do with that too. Those moving walkways as you go into the Venetian always trip me up every single freaking time. <laughs> Literally or figuratively? Oh, well, oh no. I mean, like, you saw me. <laughs> you do the walkway, the moving walkways in the airport really well. But when you add an incline, not good. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's just a silly, you know, tidbit off the side. But I think it's really cool that they've listened to those that visit and they're wanting to provide what people are looking forward to having. So, Tommy, we're excited to check it out when we come out soon. Yeah. It it looks like they're planning on having it ready in the summer. So I don't know if, if like during the world series, they're going to unveil it, Okay, which would be the perfect time really. Right. But if you know, let us know. We'd love to promote yeah. a date for you guys so that people know when they can come see the new digs. Exactly. And I, I know you, you just kind of talked about prop bets, but uh, we really haven't talked about the prop bet that Sean Deeb has very much on here at all, but if you don't know, Shandi made a prop bet with Bill Perkins. I guess it was like eleven months ago. Basically, this is Bill. Bill's done this before. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill's done this before. He and his he made a prop bet with uh, Jamie Staples and his brother Matt to they they basically they had like a hundred and seventy pounds between them. Like Jamie was at. Three, over 300 pounds and his brother Matt was like 130 plus right. <laughs> and he made a bet with them to get within a pound of each other uh, and I don't remember how long they had but but they they did it and so they they won their prop bet nothing nothing like some competition and money added in to really push you to strive towards a goal right well yeah and I think I really do think that that Bill Perkins, I, I really do think he does this to kind of motivate people to live a healthier life because Jamie, like I said, Jamie Staples was 300 pounds and he came down and, and got in shape and his brother was 130 pounds. He was in the gym lifting weights and getting stronger to build up some muscle to kind of help with that gap as well. So the two of them, to, you know, they both lived a healthier life. Now, in Sean Deeb's case, he was over 40% body fat. And the bet was that he had to get down to 17% body fat. Wow. 
and he had he had something like 14 months to do it. <laughs> That's a short amount of time. If anybody's ever tried to reduce their BMI before, I mean, I know I have when you fluctuate your weight and age and life circumstances and stuff like that. That's a lot to achieve in a short amount of time. Right. Well, in like 11 months now, he's already down to, what was it? Like 22% body fat. And he still has three months to go. So, you know, they, they that was a week ago on Friday. Saturday, Deeb actually put out on social media that Perkins had bought out of the deal for 800000 So he's already basically saying, congratulations, well done. I still want you to achieve the 17%, but you're already at 22. You're well on your way, and I held the pieces for you. But he held his word. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, Bill Perkins is a stand-up guy. Uh, I've I really enjoy him. He I, I enjoy watching him play. He's always he's always fun at the table too. So he he played. Just a side note, he uh, he played in a game at at the lodge, a live stream there, and he got involved in a hand and was like, it ended up getting all in, and was like, I've got to catch a flight. I have to go. and so so he just left the game and was like somebody tell me if I won (laughs) (laughs) and uh, he ended up winning the hand I believe and they had to keep his money for him until he got (laughs) until he was able to get it well hey ultimately way to go Sean because you know thank you Bill for that encouragement to him but also that is hard work hard work yeah it's not easy for sure determination and a lot of hard work yeah you have to change you have to change your whole mentality uh everything your lifestyle whatever your mindset it's crazy uh what you reach to in stressful situations yeah i mean we've even just been trying to balance out our macros and it's not fun sometimes but it's worth it we definitely feel better. We're talking about things around the table that that contributes to your play. When your mental clarity is higher, your we talked we actually talked about that last night at the end of the Patreon game is how we were feeling, what we ate, why do we play the way we do in certain situations, X, Y, and Z. And so um, I'll be interested to see what Sean says about his play and how that has affected his play. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna see in a few few months. When he's at the World Series, for sure. So, and and I kind of you you mentioned you kind of went back to the Patreon game, and I want to make sure I go back a little bit too because I I'm not sure that I gave Pasta his props. Like congratulations, Pasta, on the win last night because he ran into he ran in he had pocket queens ran into pocket aces was down to crumbs basically fought his way back and won that game so it was and it was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth so congratulations to him like you said i mean i know you mentioned it fifty dollars was well earned but but uh yes huge props on that yeah serious serious battling going down there for sure and and one other thing i want to be sure that we talk about is we have maybe only had 50 bucks on the line, but uh, Hustler Casino is going to have their second 1 million buy-in cash game in May. Yeah, that's it's insane. I, last year they did this and it was wildly successful as far as the number of people that watched. I, I can't say that I would ever want to do this. If I had if I had $5 million, I don't know that I want to put a million on the line or something like that. But also, I mean, I think the thing that that's a little bit crazy about all these big buy-in events like this is you know that they don't all have themselves, all of their money in this, right? So they have people staking them for a lot of this. So Lines are 500 and 1,000. So... Yeah. You know, there's gambling going on there as well. And there's people backing them and taking chances and taking risks as well. So excited that that'll be live stream. We can watch it. Yeah, it'll have its own little drama and and fun to watch there. I want to see somebody lose their pocket kings to threes and tens again. I want to see how they feel. 
that frustrating. But however, lesson learned. Watch. That's why it's important to watch some of this. That's why everybody likes to tune in because we learn. We learn from them. We learn from being able to watch somebody else sit in the hot seat as well. Yeah. You know, for sure. It's always good to know that some, you know, other people feel that. Like, there's no one that has played poker for any length of time that has not run their kings into somebody hitting a set or two pair even or whatever. So, or playing against their husband who always, always, always beats you. <laughs> it's uncanny, guys. Joe and I can play together at home, but then when we're in a tournament situation or we're playing with other people head to head, he always wins on the river every single time. I have no response to that. I <laughs> I play it perfectly to get to the river. Uh-huh. It's probably because you know me well enough. <laughs> uh, sorry, playing heads up with uh, my life partner may be where I'm making the mistake. <laughs> well, exciting fun things for us and our family this weekend. I know last week. For those who keep track or, or think this kind of stuff is fun, uh, last week we got to go watch our granddaughter play soccer. Absolutely riot. Hilarious. Loved every single second of it, especially when she would run over and say, Lolly, I did it. And I'm like, yes, you did. Go listen. Go do it again. Uh, this weekend we get to celebrate two big birthdays in our family. Uh, our daughter turns 30. Our son-in-law turns 29. And we are pumped to celebrate all weekend long with them and their friends yeah. and their kids. And uh, so hope you guys are having something exciting as well. And Joe, it's always a pleasure being around the table with you. Likewise. We'll do it again next week. See you soon. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games. And he's with us again next this week. <laughs> Not next week, too, but this week. Uh, how's it going, Elliot? Pretty well, thanks. Glad to be here this week. <laughs> we have a call the floor this week uh, sent in by Martin Dorsey and... Um, he kind of cuts to the chase on this one and says, uh, long story short, we get to the turn and the board is now king of spades, queen of hearts, six of hearts, queen of diamonds. So there's a pair, a flush draw and a straight draw and player A checks. Player B thinks for a little bit, cutting out a couple of bet sizes in their hand it seems like player B obviously knows it's on them and nobody is talking. Dealer says, is this the feature table? In a sarcastic tone, as if to imply that player B is tanking for an unnecessary amount of time. It certainly hasn't been two minutes, more like 45 to 60 seconds. Player B then acts and the hand proceeds. A few hands later... Uh, player B must have been stewing on it for a little bit, but then he calls out the dealer and says that dealers shouldn't make comments about tanking in obvious spots where it, it would be normal for a player to need a minute to think. The dealer apologized, but was obviously annoyed at being called out for his comment. So what Martin says is, I'm curious if something like this would be considered influencing action. He says, I feel like a comment like this has the potential to cause a player to make a hasty decision. I get wanting to speed up the action, but is around a minute enough time to start down that path? Typically, a player can't call clock until after around two minutes. And lastly, should a player even say anything to the dealer about a comment or just call the floor and let them handle it? Well, there's two issues to discuss here. Uh, the first is the uh, the dealer and and their impact on the game, and, and then the actual uh, tanking. Uh, let's discuss the dealer first, because that was pretty much addressed first. Uh, the dealer's sarcastic comment regarding, is this a feature table, is completely uh, uncalled for, and uh, 
it goes against the, the rules of conduct set down in any uh, card rooms or casinos handbook and is just not right. Uh, the dealer is there in, uh, to facilitate the game and to also uh, perform acceptable and hopefully above and beyond guest service. Uh, that was certainly not. Right. Uh, you should absolutely not hesitate to tell uh, whoever is running the shift or running the room or is just a floor person. Dealers can't be saying stuff like that. It's not nice, uh, but it also it can negatively impact the game and in a lot of different ways. Uh, players get a bad taste in their mouth. They get a bad impression of the casino. They just get up and leave. Uh, you're not keeping players in their seats making comments like that. It's just very basic. Don't do it if you're a dealer. If you're listening <laughs> to this and it would occur to you to say something like that, don't. That doesn't mean the game should crawl down to a, a snail's pace. Now we'll address the, the other issue, obviously the one that caused uh, our listener Martin to write in. Uh, yes, play, games can't go too slowly for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, number one, it's boring for the players. Uh, it's also detrimental to the income of both the casino and the dealer. Uh, most poker dealers keep their own tips, so obviously... Uh, they need to deal more in their hands to get more money. And, and casinos are raking per hand in, in most games in, that are being spread around the country. So we need more hands to be dealt to get our money. So it's certainly not in anybody's best interest to just let a game sit there and not, not move on. Uh, that being said, the dealer has a much better way of addressing it. The dealer is much better off acting like he, he isn't sure the player knows it's their turn. Uh, sir, it, it's on you. Is much better than is this the feature table? I mean, don't be a smart ass. I mean, whether or not players deserve it by their actions doesn't mean <laughs> you as a dealer or we as tournament directors and floor persons and supervisors can do it or should do it or want to do it. It's not nice. It's wrong. Don't do it. How long the player was taking, we don't have enough context here. We don't know how big the bets were. We don't know how big the stacks are. We don't know how much is in the pot. Uh, if we made it to the turn on a board that draw heavy, man, it doesn't sound like a small pot. <laughs> so right. again, I'm inclined to believe this was a, a decent sized pot with decent sized stacks. And guys thinking about either how much he needs to bet to uh, to proceed with the hand, whether he wants to force the other player out or force the player to call. Uh, he's got a lot to think about. And, well, in a lot of cases, I'm going to let him think about it. While I just stated that I certainly want more hands per hour, I don't want to piss players off, and I want to give them what is a reasonable amount of time to think about what they need to do. Right. And that is the guideline set down in any rule book, uh, cash or tournament. It's not a two-minute guideline, which you have mentioned twice, Martin. It's not two minutes. Uh, there is no two-minute rule. If somebody was going to take two minutes to make a decision for every action when it was their turn every time they acted, after about the third time, I'm throwing that player out. That It's not good for the game. Not every decision you make gets two minutes. It's just that simple. <laughs> and that's why there is no two-minute guideline in any set of rules. So please don't think it's two minutes before you can even think about calling for a clock. I mean, if it's a $5 pot and it's a $3 bet and the guy is first to act, I'm not giving him two minutes. He's lucky to get <laughs> 10 seconds. So again, yes. You should call a clock when you feel it's appropriate. And the guideline set down in almost every case is, has a reasonable amount of time passed before a clock was requested? Well, we don't know. <laughs> There's not enough facts presented to us. Generally, two minutes is, is an eternity. Uh, I defy anybody out there listening to, uh, to set a, a stopwatch for 60 or, heaven forbid, 120 seconds and put a pile of chips in the middle of a table and stare at those chips for, for the entire time on the clock. <laughs> you will absolutely believe you sat there for half an hour. <laughs> so we don't know what is reasonable in this spot, but we do know what is reasonable when we're called to a table because we get to see everything that's happening. We know what the, what the effective stack sizes are. We know how much is in the pot. And if there's a bet facing him, we obviously know how much the bet is. So again, Yes, you should feel free to call for a clock after a reasonable amount of time. Everybody deserves to get the next hand to play. The casino deserves to get the next hand dealt, too. I mean, uh, this is not a public service. If we can't keep the lights on, we can't spread the game. If we can't spread the game, that's bad for all of us. There's less poker. Right. 
So again, calling the clock is a good thing, but it should be done after a reasonable amount of time. Sometimes two minutes is is not reasonable in any way, and sometimes it's way too long. You you've accommodated beyond what is reasonable. So again, feel free to call the clock, but uh, do it in the right spots, and don't feel bound to any two minute rule that doesn't exist and shouldn't be a part of a process. Two minutes is a long time for anything. That's why a lot of the big time tournaments, WPT especially, uh, has especially in their uh, major events, prime, main tour, and even the larger buy-in uh, non-feature events, uh, they're playing with the clock. And you get a whole bunch of, of timeout buttons, and even those don't grant you unlimited time. They grant you usually a minute, I guess, and you get a, a stack of them, whether it's five or eight or ten or three. If you don't know what you're doing in five or six or seven or eight seconds, this might be a time to think you may need to put more work into your hobby. <laughs> yeah, you said exactly what I was thinking. It really is dependent on the situation. And the player, if it's a player that is consistently taking a lot of time, that's I'm going to give them less of a pass than somebody that generally acts quickly, but now is taking time on this particular hand. Um, so the credit market model works for almost everything. <laughs> um, the people who have earned credit are the ones that use it the least. You know, the same is to be said for time in the clock. A guy who rarely, if ever tanks, uh, somebody calls the clock on him. It's almost never going to get granted. And there's no reason to. This guy has never been a problem. He never takes too long. He's got a big decision. He's earned the time. A guy who's always taking what is deemed to be the maximum amount of time, every decision, he gets a clock on him, and, and his maximum clock is going to be the shortest possible clock we can reasonably put on the person. So, yeah, very true. Absolutely. Some people have earned it, and some people have really earned it. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think, you know, my biggest questions, and, and Martin, make sure to email me back and, and answer some of these questions, because my biggest question is, where did this two-minute idea come from? Right. Because I don't think I've ever seen anything that mentions two minutes, so I'm, I, I would be curious to know if a particular room that you're playing in has some kind of rule that we've never heard of, or why that that number came up because like you, like Elliot said, you, you mentioned it twice. So there there's, it's coming from somewhere in your mind. And the, the other takeaways, I would say dealers, you don't necessarily need to try to be funny. Just like, like Elliot said, remind them it's their turn. And then the, the players, the players will call clock on somebody. If it's, if they're repeat offenders. Certainly. And uh, that clock gets rolled back every time a, a guy all if i'm getting called to the table for a third clock on the same player that third clock's gonna be rather short and if the guy wants to have a dispute i'll give him a round off and, and we'll go discuss it way away from the table <laughs> but i if you were going to sit there and rouse the rabble by wasting time or 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 typically taking way too long beyond what is reasonable that's not going to sit well with the players it's certainly not going to sit well with me uh, just not right. fair. So I guess all in all, I would say, Elliot, like you pointed out, we really needed some more information on this, like what are the stakes and what kind of situation are we looking at? But but aside from that, the dealer didn't handle it right. So the, I think the last question that he asked, should a player say anything to that dealer about uh, his comment or should he just talk to the floor or how should how should a player handle that if you should talk to the floor i mean if a dealer says something inappropriate say feel free to be very very direct say hey that was quite inappropriate that's not right uh don't make it insulting uh don't make it pointed uh don't don't really call them out other than to say hey that wasn't fair you shouldn't have said that to me and then go to the next level go to the floor go to the shift manager go to the director yeah they, I mean, obviously, you just don't want to sit and take things. Right. And it's not unreasonable to call somebody out on something like that in a rather direct and, and at least somewhat mild way. I mean, if a dealer comes, I, I, I've said it to dealers before, that was not appropriate. I, what did we ever do to you? 
And then I go right to the next level before they can say another word. And I'm not there to argue, and hopefully they're not either. I'm there to play poker. And if I'm there to run a tournament, I'm there to run poker. So again, I'm not looking for disputes. That's not, or altercations, uh, confrontations. I'm looking for none of that. We just want a smooth, happy game. Right. And hopefully a pass game, but I'll take a happy game. And dealers shouldn't be gumming up the works like that. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Face it head on and then move directly to the next level. Don't be insulting about it. Don't return fire. Don't give them back what they gave you. That doesn't make it appropriate either. Two wrongs never make a right, and they never will. Uh, go to the next level and make sure they know that dealers are working for tips. Why Why would it occur to them to do something like this that would potentially and likely uh, reduce their tip income? So, yeah, don't be afraid to let somebody know. We, we, we can't solve or fix things we don't know about. So you have to let us know. And please go to the floor. So, yeah, the dealer didn't handle it right. The the player, like you said, you know, there's a lot on that board. And in order for it to get there, that pot probably got up there in size. So maybe he didn't take too long. Very situation dependent. And it's very good questions, though. Good conversation. So thank you, Martin, for sending that in. Elliot, uh, always appreciate your take on those kind of questions. Oh, you're very welcome. It was a fun one, but I'd still like to hear more. Yeah, yeah. So, Martin, e- email us back in at podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Let us know some of the answers to those questions, and uh, we'll talk about it again after the fact. But, uh, Elliot, I appreciate you, and we'll talk again next week. Looking forward to it, and I'll see you then. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. We are back with another Hand of the Week. Patrick's back with us. How you doing, man? We are indeed. I'm good. How are you, my friend? Good. I have, uh, when we put this up on YouTube, everybody will be able to see it, but I have switched over to the uh, baseball season. (laughs) It's go time. (laughs) It is baseball season. Spring training is running. Yes, yes. Looking forward to it. Now we we switched from we switched from the cold weather up in Buffalo to seeing what we can accomplish in Kansas City. It might be as cold a baseball season as it is in Buffalo during the winter. <laughs> <laughs> but we're excited for baseball season. Let's go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, hey, let's let's give another shout out to Jackpot Digital, hand of the week sponsor. Yes, sir. And Actually, let's do it a little bit different this week because we've always talked about things from a player standpoint because obviously that's, that's where you and I come from and probably I would say the majority of our audiences as well. But I know we have some listeners that work in the casino industry. So let's talk advantages for the casino. And some of them we've touched on before too. But if you don't already have a poker room, this brings poker into your casino, right? Easy solution. Yeah, quick and quick and easy right then and there. Right. And if you do have a poker room, then this is an attraction for lower stakes players because you can actually make money at lower stakes, uh, less expense. So bring those online micro stakes player into the poker room. It's got a ticket in, ticket out system, which means... You don't have to spend money with chip runners or spend time going up and getting chips and coming back to the table or anything like that. Uh, And obviously no dealer training for the table. No supplies needed. I mean, you're off and running. I mean, the guys get it there, you know, go through it. I mean, you are truly off and running. And, you know, looking at from the novice point of view, I mean, if if I've got a place to where I can go play and and there's a, a poker room. Or I'm going to be on vacation, or I'm taking a trip with whatever, and and there's you know somewhere to go casino wise, and there's a poker room. Don't get me wrong, on the novice side of the point of view, I feel like I'm going to run into you know you or Mike or somebody else is just going to take <laughs> everything. I'm like, why do I want to do that? But if a casino's got a table like that, and it's a much more you know just call it open, if you will. I mean, that's a no brainer. I'm in. Right. Yeah. And uh, aside from that. Some I just now thought of is that you can kind of monetize that downtime for the players too. So if action is super slow and the casino is just like, 
well, we don't make money unless we can rake the pot, and we can't rake the pot if somebody's tanking over there. But meanwhile, other players at the table can be there playing side games and you know throwing in a little bit of money here and there on blackjack to kill their time as well. So, yep, yeah, that's another perk. Uh, I it's one of those few few cases where it's win win for the player and casino. Yeah, that's not normally how it always works, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like they're adding new locations every week. Just yeah, just in February alone, they've added locations in Minnesota, Michigan, Puerto Rico, and Jamaica. So yeah, um, and it's only going to continue. I mean, you know, with with gambling laws that are changing, you know, all you know every single day in different legislation. I mean, it's only you know the sky's the limit for these guys. So it's um, it's it's good to have them around for sure. Yeah, but uh, I'm excited that we got to be one of the first to talk about it, and can't wait to see where it ends up. But this week's hand of the week sent in by Tom Collier, right. and he is playing one three cash. So he says, on a business trip to Florida, I stopped into the poker room of a local casino the morning before my flight. I started playing 1-3, eight-handed, with a bunch of old man coffees. <laughs> so, um, so we already know that this table is tight. <laughs> uh, he says, I bought in for $300. And have had no luck catching any draws. Now I'm playing about 200. We're in the low jack where it folds to us. And we have the king of clubs, tennis spades. What do you think? All right. Well, so here's here's the very quick two first thoughts. One, if you're playing with this many hands, a very wise man named Joe <laughs> once told me that if you're gonna play, you want you we, we need we need to weed the crowd, sure. And especially with you know the the you know the old men here, you, you never know what you're gonna get on that one. I mean, playing one three. I mean, I'm probably probably betting toward. I was gonna say twelve, but I think probably nine or ten bucks. Okay, I mean, <laughs> you're going higher. I'm no, actually, I'm gonna get a lot of people calling me a nit for this, but. I don't even want to get involved. <laughs> I just want to throw it away. It's King 10. It's not suited. We're playing with old man coffees and <laughs> we've got five people left after us to act. I I just you're want, folding I just going want to, on. I just want to fold and move. Move on, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well you're going on record. You are going on record. You would have folded this hand. Yes, but if you, <laughs> to your point, if you are going to play, you do need to put in a raise. Yeah, I so um, I, yeah, not so. I said nine or ten. I mean, I, my my first gut was twelve. Um, you know, so I I probably am leaning towards that, and that's you know. I actually, I mean, I think twelve would be a good raise because at least you know what you're going to get when you've got old man coffees out there. You know, they're notorious for playing pocket kings with a limp or you know <laughs> ace king with a limp or something like that and if you if you bump it up to something big like 12 or 15 dollars then you know that you can at least get a little bit of information there right you know they're going to be yeah. strong if they're calling yeah so i do i do appreciate that tom raises but he raises to nine dollars which was your second yeah that was thought kind of there the second thought was like okay let's just keep it at nine yeah uh the button and the big bind both call okay the flop with three players is the two of spades four of spades five of spades <laughs> two four five of spades yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that fold's looking better and better right now. <laughs> well, you've already got an extra nine dollars in your pocket, and we're about to spend some more. Um, oh gosh, I mean that's just and the big blind checks to us. So. Uh, of course he does. Old man yeah. coffee. Let's just <laughs> check it on. Well, guess what? I'm checking as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I mean, 
if if the ten if if they were flip flops, you know, I've got ace king queen jack some spades out there that's you know screaming at me. I've got a straight draw, I, you know. I I'm not. Let me put it this way: I am not in a position of power that I want to be any longer. <laughs> yeah, I Check. mean, we've got we. Here's the thing: we did raise, so we have a lot of over pairs to the board in our in our range. Yeah. We can have any ace, but I mean that probably hits their range more than ours. Yeah, I mean, I still, I still think at least at this level, at this one as played at this, I still think I want to represent that overpair, and I want to bet something like fifteen bucks okay. into into twenty seven. So a little, a little over half pot, something like that. Just, well, that's fair. I get that point of view. I really do. Yeah. What is um? I mean, what's our what's our guy do? Uh, Tom checks, as oh. does the button. So oh, okay. Yeah, checks around and and Tom says if it were heads up, I may have put in a small bet, but multi way, I decided to check. Mm. Okay. I mean, I I I understand where he's coming from, but I think. If we put that bet in at the beginning, I, I want to continue that for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, by checking there, it's saying one or two things more than likely. You know, obviously, granted, the audience is maybe a little bit different, but they're not stupid. It's saying one or two <laughs> things. It's either, hey, you know, we hit great on that and we're trying to slow play and, you know, whatever, or it was a total miss and we're just going to feel everyone out, which is fine, too, right. I guess. But to your point, if you play the over, you know, pair, something to that effect, you know, maybe you're, you know, coming out ahead with what's shaping up to be a masterful defeat. <laughs> I'm hoping not for Tom's sake. I'm really not. But anyway, all right. So checks around. Yep. And the turn is the seven of clubs. Well, there's another, another straight. Yeah. Once again, the big blind checks to us. <laughs> I, I don't want to waste money. I, I, I really don't. So I'm checking again. Yeah. And with the idea that if there is a, a bet of any substantial if, – if someone – let me put it this way. My thought process, especially now, is I check to fold. I mean, if, if someone puts something in, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is this is where we have to tell that consistent story that we're always preaching, right? Yeah. If we didn't have enough to bet on the flop, what changed for us here? Yeah. We we don't have six three. That's not that's not in our range really. No. We don't have six eight. Right. You know, I you know, it, it doesn't tell any different as far as the suitedness of it unless we, you know if we, we checked hoping that there would be a bet out there and it didn't come and now we're betting to bring some more, you know, money in, uh then yeah. you're just playing with playing with fire with somebody else. Right. So basically what I'm saying is check on the flop equals a check on the turn. Okay. So Tom, however, this is where he comes alive and bets $12. Okay. And only the big blind calls. So Tom says the board is still not great for our range, but I decided to bet because it checked through. So I suspect no one has a set or flush. Not a terrible thought. Yeah, I mean, I think they could have probably some some sets in their range with a board texture like that. You know, they're they may be checking because it's a monotone board. It's all spades out there. See, I, I'm in his camp on. I don't think his sets are out there, but I could definitely see like you know an ace, you know, ace king with the ace being a spade. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, they definitely have that in their range. So with the big blind calling, the river is the six of clubs. <laughs> Garbage. He he asks a question right out the gate, though. He says, we have king high. Do you check to see if we win or bet to get a small pair or ace high to fold? And... If so, how much would you bet? <laughs> All right. Well, that's a great question. I think, <laughs> I 
I mean, he he said I don't know if he would use the terminology that he was bleeding chips, but you know he's he's missed on a lot of things going forward. He's already down a hundred. I don't think you get you definitely want to get in a bidding war, but if you bet here with the idea that if someone comes over the top, you're done. You know that's not the worst case scenario, but then in that case, what do you bet? I mean, because you're ultimately let's put it this way: you're ultimately wasting chips if you think a call is going to come. Right. That's the thing is you. Ha- it really depends you, on your read, right? It it depends on your read, and it depends on the pot, the the bet size. Um, and are you willing to risk? Okay, it's fifty one in the pot. You know, do you put in a pot bet? Do you put in you know thirty five forty? Is that enough to say it? And are you really willing to waste that after this? <laughs> my okay. answer is no. <laughs> so here's my thought. Okay. Given the situation so far, the way the hands played out so far, and the board texture where it is right now, I feel like if we want to win this hand, bluffing is the only viable option. If you want to yes. give up on the hand, fine, give up on the hand. But it really, I mean, it depends on, again, your read of the big blind. I feel like he only called the turn. So they don't have a straight probably, and they don't have a flush probably. I do still feel like they could have some sets, but I honestly feel like we can get ace high to fold. We can get ace high to fold. I knew it was coming. <laughs> okay, what size bet? Uh, I want to bet small. I want to bet something. Well, let's go 20 or 25, somewhere in there. Okay. I feel like that's enough to put pressure on the ace high, but we're still minimizing our risk a little bit, right? Yeah. So we're not going full pot. And I, I think if it's ace high, we can get them to fold. If they have something stupid like a pair of twos or something, we can get that to fold. So that's I'm that's what I'm going. I with. think, yeah. I'm I'm going twenty to twenty five. I can't wait to hear what our what Tom did. Well, Tom checked. Okay. And the big blind turns over the ace of spades, queen of diamonds. So it was ace high. So he, it was ace high, and it was the spade, and they were just waiting for it to come. Okay. Yeah. So, so there you go. Could you have gotten them out? Yeah, and that's really what it comes down to. Would we? Is the story believable? I think so. We can get them to fold the ace of spades there. In all honesty, we have to be kind of thankful that the spade didn't come on the river because we would have put our flush up against the nut flush. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely but, true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as played, I think we should have probably bluffed the river. But, yeah, I probably wouldn't have even got to that point because I would have folded preflop. It would have been done. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, I think that you played well. Uh, it, it's just one of those situations, one of those sticky situations where, you know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh yeah, bluff the river. But when you're in the situation and it's your money, then it, it it's a little harder, a little harder a little to different. do. Yep. But, no doubt uh, about it. But uh, looking back on it, I think, you know, you definitely get them to fold if you, if you bet. And I think the way that, you do it as you bet, you know, that quarter to half pot, because again, you still put pressure on hands like what he had, but you minimize the risk. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Yep. I agree. Well, I appreciate you, Tom, sending that in. And if anyone else has a hand of the week that they would like Patrick and I to break down, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Patrick. Let's do it again next week. Sounds good. We'll see you then. It's time for Joe's One Outer. One of the things I love about poker is that every decision made at the table can significantly impact the outcome. A decision that I make at the beginning of the tournament can affect a play that comes up in the late stages. It's my ability to adapt that's the key to staying ahead of the curve in those situations.
That can be because someone's trying to exploit a weakness that they saw in my game or because I'm trying to take advantage of another player's tendencies. But it's the ability to make these adjustments that separates a top-tier player from the rest. We even have to be able to switch gears in the middle of a hand. I guarantee you what was the best strategy at the beginning of the hand probably is not the same strategy by the river. (laughs) I was actually trying to explain this to someone the other day, and it ended up sounding kind of contradictory because in our previous conversation, I was talking about being consistent with our play, using the same bet sizes with pocket aces as pocket jacks or 10-9 suited, or being consistent with our bet sizing if we smash the flop or completely whiffed at it. Then here I am in our next conversation saying, you have to be willing to change and adapt to your opponent. I think they were left scratching their head and wondering if I even knew how to spell poker. (laughs) But think of it this way. If we sit down at a table filled with tight, conservative players who rarely stray too far out of line, being aggressive can probably be pretty profitable. But then maybe the table dynamics change. Some new players join the mix, or maybe the table starts to catch on to our aggressive style. We may need to switch to a more cautious approach and avoid unnecessary risks for a while. But therein lies the reason that this game is so incredible. Just when you think you've figured out something about the game, there's a new twist. What seemed like a favorable situation turns sour, and what was your winning strategy before is now garbage. (laughs) So, the next time you find yourself at the felt, remember, you're not just playing your cards, your position, or stack sizes. You're playing the player and their image, and your image, and their adjustments to your image, and your adjustments to their adjustments. <laughs> it can go on forever. So can someone please explain to me how this game would not be considered a game of skill? That's today's one-outer, and that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcasts at anyupmagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.